But today we're going to talk a little bit about prayer for a few moments. Mark chapter 10, Joshua chapter 6, and we're going to handle this, this topic. I want you to dust off your wanter. I, I was thinking about it this way, that a lot of us Christians um, who are even here right now, you need to dust off your wanter. What do I mean, what do I mean by your wanter? I mean that... <clears throat> excuse me, that thing inside of you that used to go for things with great faith, that thing inside of you that, that had you calling on God for awesome things in your life, that, that desire that, that somehow life has allowed you to shelve your wanter. Can I get this to stand up? Oh, that's nice. That life's disappointments or maybe a couple of prayers that you prayed and they never came to pass in your life, somehow it stopped you from expecting great things from God in your present. The disappointments of your past have ceased you or stopped your faith from activating in your present. And I don't know what might have caused that. Maybe you've stopped praying because of an unanswered prayer. Next week we'll talk in depth about that and how you deal with unanswered prayer. Maybe you stop praying because you believe that your desires, they're just kinda like way down on God's priority list. Maybe you stop praying, maybe your wanter has gotten dusty because you think that your wants or what you need to pray for are silly and, and, and they're just kinda like sideline marginable items. Maybe, you don't think God wants to give you good things. Maybe you're under the impression that God is not for you, God is against you. Maybe your idea of coming to church is the scariest thing in the world because you grew up thinking that God was angry with what you did, he's mad about it, and he wants you to grovel on the floor for 150 generations before he'll finally forgive you. <laughs> Maybe that's your image of God or that's your experience in the past, but I want to tell you, and I want to remind you from our message last week, that God is for you. God loves you. God wants to know you and be in a relationship with you, and God sent his son to die for you, paying the price for your sins so that you don't have to pay for your sins. Jesus paid for your sins, and you need to just accept that by faith and be justified before God and then understand, understand, this is the key issue, that if he is for you, if he loves you, if he gave his son for you, listen. He wants to bless you. Does anybody believe that here tonight? God wants to bless you. And I think that we've got to dust off this idea that that God's not really interested in answering our prayers, or God's too busy for me, or my prayers are marginal, marginable. And understand that we serve a benevolent, compassionate, gracious, merciful God who loves his children and wants good things for them. Um, whatever's keeping you from praying for something great from God, I think that, it, that, that you have to look at one of the most audacious prayers in all of the Bible, 
maybe the most audacious prayer in the Bible, and watch God respond, because it's gonna give us a clue as to how we should pray. All right, so Mark chapter 10, did you get there? Mark chapter 10, um, one verse of scripture, then another verse of scripture, then we're gonna go to jo- jo- uh, Joshua chapter six. Mark 10, verse 35, look what it says. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him, the him here is Jesus, and said to Jesus, look, look at what they said. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Anybody think that's like way out there? Yeah, like, whoa, what is up with that question? You are coming to the master of the universe, the Lord of all, the God of gods, the King of kings, the Alpha and the Omega, Jesus. And you're gonna throw out that question? We want you to do whatever we ask of you. How many think that's a little audacious? All right, surprising that they would say that. Here's what's more surprising, Jesus' answer. Like if I was Jesus, and by the way, he's just at this point in the Gospels, he's just days away from the cross now. So he's about to die the most gruesome death possible for these guys' sins. He's put up with their lack of faith for three years. He's taught them and they have not gotten, a lot of stuff has not gotten through them. It's just like ping, ping, ping off their foreheads. They're just not catching a lot of stuff. And they've been following him, griping, moaning, complaining, lack of faith, the whole deal. And now they throw this question at him and here's his response in verse 36. Check this out. It says, Jesus said to them, what do you want me to do for you? He didn't rebuke them. Like if I was Jesus, I would have been like, you all better shut up. Because I'm about to die for your sins and you need to just get a grip. I've got serious things on my mind, all right? I would have rebuked them. I would have told them, you know what? You, you guys don't have a clue. I, I would have just scolded. I would have done something just to like really put them in their place. But I think that Jesus intentionally says something here to kind of draw a picture of God that many of us fail to see. That God is not upset by audacious prayers. God is not upset with big wants. Dust off your wanter. God is not upset with prayers that ask big of him. Because I don't know if you've read the Bible, but God's big. We all know this. He's like bigger than big. He like is bigger than the universe. (laughs) And he can do all things. And he is all powerful. And so he's not insulted by audacious prayers. But I think that he does not have any time for vague prayers. They come to Jesus and they say, we want you to do whatever we want from you. And he says, Let's narrow that down a little bit. What do you want? Somebody say, what do you want? There's two things I wanna give to you today that that are gonna feed your prayers, empower your prayers. Two principles that you need to add to your prayers. The first one, writing writing down notes is this. I need precision in my prayers. Paul Young E. Cho, Paul Young E. Cho is a pastor in Seoul, Korea, 
He's the pastor of the largest church in the world. The largest single-bodied church in the world. Anybody want to guess how many members he has? He has 750,000 members in his church. And he didn't get there like overnight. Way, way, way back when he started that church, he wanted God to do a mighty thing in his nation, in his city, Seoul, Korea. And he prayed and fasted for a whole year. I don't know exactly what he did to eat, but he prayed and fasted regularly for a whole year, locked himself in his church building and prayed that God would do a mighty thing in his, in his city before he died. And now, Seoul, Korea is one of the most Christianized cities in the nation. Not only is it home to Full Gospel Church, which is his church, 750,000 members, but the city of Seoul, Korea has 5,000 gospel-believing, Bible-preaching churches in that city. Because he dared to believe, listen, he dared to believe that God can do great things. But he says this, and it's already been up there for a little while, but he, wrote, he, he says it like this. God does not answer vague prayers. God does not answer vague prayers. Why not? Because if you pray vaguely, you'll never know if he answered you or not. And it will have no effect on your faith, and it will not show off his glory, and you will not have a testimony. Like so many of us are praying vague prayers. God, just just bless me. What? What do, what, do, what do you want? You want money? You want health? What do you want? Tell me. I mean, oh, God, just touch my sister. Well, what do you want him to touch her with? Because <laughs> God can touch her with blessings and plagues. You got your choice there. I mean, what? <laughs> are you mad at her or are you happy with her? God, save my marriage. Okay, but what do you want your marriage saved from? God, uh, Help my children. Help them do what? See, God's not impressed with vague prayers, but he is moved mightily throughout the scriptures by precise prayers, by specific prayers. Precision moves the hand of God. Too many of us are praying vaguely. We don't even know if God's answered yet. And, 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 and this is not something that God is really all that enticed by. That's why when James and John say, we want you to do whatever we want. Jesus is like, let's nail it down. What do you want? What do you want? Vague prayers don't give God a chance to show himself true. But God is impressed, God is moved, God is stirred throughout the scriptures by people who were precise in what they wanted and prayed for it and didn't give up until they got it. I think of one of, the most short, one of the shortest times of prayer, one of the shortest precise prayers, is Peter. Peter is in the boat with the disciples. Jesus comes walking on the water. And Peter, there's 12 disciples in the boat. Only one of them stands up and says, Lord, if it is you, and here's the prayer, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come. Tell me to come on the water with you. That's a short prayer, but it's precise. And, and what does Jesus say? He says, come on out. Water's great. Peter puts his foot over the boat and walks on water. His prayer was short, but it was precise. And I think that there's something to it that when we get precise in our prayers, God is honored by that. God is stirred by that. God is moved by that. And we have to get precise in our prayers because if we don't, we'll never know if God answered the prayers. But when we're precise and when we know that God has answered our prayers, 
because we, 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 we were specific, we knew what we wanted, we went after it, then God gets the glory because then we can tell people, I prayed for X and I got X. I prayed for A and I got A. God has been good to me. Joshua chapter six now. People of Israel have been saved from slavery by 10 mighty plagues. They're out of Egypt. They've been slaves for 400 years. And they're out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness and they um, wander through the wilderness for 40 years. So it's been 440 years since um, they've been in their promised land. God is sending them now into the promised land. They've crossed the Jordan and they are about to take the first of several cities and several kings in the promised land. And this is the story of, we probably know this from Sunday school days, this is the story of Jericho. And we all know this story a little bit. I'm just gonna read it and let's go over it and, and, we're, and we're gonna get something out of this to, to specify our prayers. So uh, would you mind standing with me as we read from Jer Joshua chapter six, verses one through five. Here's what it says. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with his king and mighty men of valor. Somebody say, mighty men. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. This you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout. Somebody say, shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you will speak to our hearts and change our lives in the matter of prayer, that we will not be afraid to go after what we want, to be specific, to be passionate in our calling on you. For you are the God who has done great things, is doing great things, will do great things. You are the God of great things. And we glorify you in Jesus' name. Everybody said a big amen. amen. Have a seat. And we wanna say a welcome to our campus in Taunton. They watch these messages by video, so we wanna say a welcome to them. Everybody in North Arbor, let's welcome them in. Glad to see you, Taunton. Jericho was big. Jericho was massive. Jericho was tightly shut up. Had, had walls 250 feet high. Massive, imposing. What does God tell them to do? Walk around it six days, once a day. On the seventh day, you're gonna walk around it seven days. Seven times, I'm sorry. And then after that seventh time on the seventh day, then you're gonna shout. And when you shout, uh, the walls are gonna come down. How many of you think that's a really brilliant military strategy? <laughs> God is, 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 is showing them a principle here. Here's what was good about Jericho, okay? Jericho was a specific target. They knew what they had to do. They knew what they had to go for. And they had to circle it for seven days. Seven days just walking around the same city. 
getting close to it, walking around, checking the walls out, watching the people inside the city walls, looking up at the archers up on the top deck maybe. Who knows what they were doing? Um, Getting a good feel for this monstrosity that God was about to give them. Here's what we need to start doing. We need to start circling our Jerichos, drawing circles around what we want from God and not vaguely offering these vain repetitious prayers, but specifically asking him for what we need and what we want, unafraid to know that God is good for us and God wants to do things for us, but I do believe he wants us to get specific about it. And then Joshua does something interesting. It says in verse 10, later on in the story, right before they're about to march, look what Joshua does, verse 10. Joshua commanded the people, and look, look at this command. You shall not shout or make, a, or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Uh, then you shall shout. Now, now he, told, he told him, don't shout. Uh, don't let your voice heard, and don't let a word come out. Do you think he's trying to send a message here? What's the message? Shut up. <laughs> Be quiet. Why? Because they, Joshua knew from experience from 40 years ago when God told him to go scout the land out, they came back, and the words of the spies caused everybody's heart to melt with fear. And Joshua understood that our words can actually talk us out of God's best. And that when we're not, when we're busy talking uh, to each other and and, and kind of just like loosely approaching what we need and what we want from God, that we actually have the power to talk ourselves right out of what God can give us and wants to give us. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, that the, the tongue has the power of life and death. It's, the, it's your words that can kill your life or they can give, give new birth to your life. Jesus said, by your words, you will be acquitted. By your words, you will be condemned. And, and I think this way. Had the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and had the opportunity to talk, conversations would have been like this. This is big. Really high, these walls are very thick. Oh man, I don't know about this plan. I don't know if Joshua heard correctly. Maybe we should start with a smaller city. You know what, maybe we don't even need this land. We've been fine for 40 years in the wilderness. Maybe that's, I'm good with going back. Anybody else? Me, and they all just go, you know, walking backwards in their lives. And Joshua's like, no. Just circle it. Get intimately familiar with what you want. Let me ask you a question. What do you want? What specifically do you want from God? And don't come at God with this idea of, well, I don't think God's interested. And don't come at this idea, well, my, my, my requests are so silly and so small. You know, God's got world hunger to deal with. He, he can't possibly be, you know, interested in, in my little area here. Because we just disproved that from Mark chapter 10 when, when James and John said, we want whatever you ask. And Jesus didn't say, 
I rebuke you. He didn't say that. He said, what do you want? What do you want? Maybe for some of you, it's time to write it down. Maybe it's time to put, a, put it on a sticky note and stick it on your dashboard in your car. And every day that you get in that car, you just pray for that specific thing that you want from God. Are you circling something in prayer in your life? Are you going after something? And, and not having the hindrances that we all have Maybe God's not interested. Maybe it's going to take too long. Maybe it might be too much work. It might be a lot of work. It might be, it might totally radically change your life. But let me just ask you something. Are you wanting something from God? It's time for some of us to dust off our wanter. You've got to want some things. You've got to want some things in life. My kids always want something. I find out, wanting keeps you young. It just does. You know, my kids are so, they always want money in the morning for the school store at their, at their public school. And I curse that store. <laughs> I hate that store because they sell them junk. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and my kids, they think it's like, you know, Treasure Island in there. And, and we've done it, we've given them money, and they go in their store, and they come back, and I'm like, okay, what'd you buy? And they bring me this stuff, and it's like, the junk is, I mean, it's broken by the time it gets home. Does it stop them from wanting? Nope, they want. <laughs> they want, they want, they want. In fact, how many parents do this little trick? You want them to go to the store with you to get milk? And they're like, I don't wanna go to the store. What do you do? I'll buy you something, okay. I mean, as soon as something comes to them, they're ready to go. I think that wanting keeps you young, and I think that there are many people in the church, you've gotten old. <laughs> no, 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 not physically. Not, age has nothing to do with it. Age has nothing to do with it. I'm talking about in your spirit. You've let some bad experiences or some seemingly unanswered prayers or some disappointments define you. And you've stopped wanting. And you've decided, here's what you've decided. You've decided to settle for what is, rather than hope, dream, and pray for what could be. Because, and here's why you've done, because it's easier to not hope than to hope and be disappointed. It's emotionally less taxing to just not even bother. Maybe it's time for you to stop that. Maybe it's time for you to not be afraid to go after what you want in prayer and circle that city and march around and get intimately familiar with it and, and believe that God can do it for you because he's a good God. And he isn't a, he's not a, you know what, it's not like you're going to shock him with what you ask of him. Right? You ask him for something, you think it's stupid, he's not going to be like, oh my, what? Are you serious? I didn't know you wanted that. He already knows what you want. So ask. My, my point tonight 
is dust off your wanter. You gotta want some stuff. Many of you, you're not just old spiritually. You're dead. <laughs> we got, I got a picture for you. Do I have a picture ready? This is, this is you. Do we have the picture up here? Let's put that on triple, triple thing. Here we go. Put it on the triple thing. Spread that out. All three. Oh, there we go. John Smith. Come on, somebody. Stop living in 1985. Buried in 2012. Coasting kills. Coasting kills. Psychologists tell us Psychologists tell us that our brains are designed to go after stuff. Did you know this? Our brains have been created by God to thrive on new challenges, new dreams, new visions, new desires. Did you know this? And when we don't feed our brains and our lives new challenges, new problems, new desires, new, new targets, do you know that the chemicals in our brain actually uh, stop working correctly and we fall and we slip into this, this depressed state of mind? Because that's not how we were wired. We were wired to aim high. Jesus, I mean, I'm sorry, not Jesus, but... The father said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Go after some stuff. We were created in the image of a creative God who created all that we know and all that we see. And he is always expanding the universe even as we speak. He's up to something. He's expanding now. What are you expanding in your life? What are you going after? What do you believe in God for? What are you chasing? What dream? What Jericho are you circling? There's a guy in Mark chapter 10 going back. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but his name is Bartimaeus. And Jesus is walking through a city in Mark chapter 10, just after he had had this incident with James and John, what do you want me to do for you? He's walking through a city. The city is called, guess what the city is called? Jericho. Thousand years later, and Bartimaeus is a blind beggar, and he's on the side of the road, blind beggar. And he's call, he hears Jesus is coming by in Mark chapter 10, and the Bible says that he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd tries to tell him to be quiet and, and, and hush, and you know, Jesus is busy, he's, he's got more important things. He says, it says that he doesn't let them stop him. He, Son of David, have mercy on me. He doesn't give up, he doesn't stop praying. He cries out with all of his heart, and Jesus stops in his tracks. And Jesus turns around, and he says, call him. And they say, all right, call him, come on. He's calling you now, I guess you got his attention. You cried loud enough, they bring him up to Jesus. And Jesus says this to blind Bartimaeus, he says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? You can almost see the disciples saying, um, Jesus, he's blind. I don't know if you knew that or not. He can't see, Lord. Kind of an obvious question, Lord. I, I, don't, know, I don't know if you know this, but he's blind and he probably wants to see, Lord. But listen, Jesus is God. Jesus never asks a question that doesn't need to be asked. He wants precision in this prayer. Precision. Somebody say precision. 
Are you specific? Are you targeting your Jericho? Are you going after something? Or are you dead? Oh, he's gone. Are you, are you, are you John Smith? Long dead. Because it's easier to not hope at all than to hope and be disappointed. There's a woman in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel chapter one, her name is Hannah. Hannah is in this horrible marriage. And the reason why it's horrible, ladies, is because the guy she's married to is married to another woman. <laughs> and uh, listen, for anybody who says that polygamy is endorsed in the Bible, it's not. It's not. Every time you see polygamy in the Bible, things went very, very badly. And God is trying to send a message. This does not work. One man, one woman for life, that's God's plan. But Hannah is married to this guy who's married to another woman, and the other woman has like a bunch of kids, and Hannah is barren. And on top of that, 1 Samuel chapter one tells us that the other wife relentlessly taunts Hannah about not having any kids. How many of you would like that kind of setup? And she's just every day just getting taunted by this woman and about something so personal and so you know, important to a young woman to have children, especially in that culture. And she's bitter and she's angry and she's mad about it. And she goes to the temple. And, and, and I wanna read it so I make sure I get it clear. And she goes to the temple and she's deeply distressed. This is in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10. She prays with passion. And it says she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She knew what she wanted. She wanted a son. But she brought something else to the table. She brought not just precision to her prayers, she brought passion to her prayers. And if there are two things that are gonna empower your prayer life, it's precision, know what you want, and passion, don't be afraid to go after it with all of your heart. And not give up until it comes to pass. And she wept bitterly and she prayed bitterly and she asked God desperately, I'm sick of this situation. I'm tired of this situation. And she prayed, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him to your service for the rest of his life. And she's praying so passionately that her husband, this guy's a real winner, right? He comes over, he thinks she's drunk and he rebukes her. She says, I'm not drunk. I'm just pouring out my heart to God. He says, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, whatever you pray for, hopefully, yeah, I'm sorry, you know, that's classic husband. Sorry, honey, sorry, whatever you want, sure, no problem. And she goes out of the temple, and, and the Bible says that when she leaves the temple, her face is no longer sad. She just poured it out. Have you poured it out to God? Have you prayed with passion? Have you cried out to God? Like blind Bartimaeus, I will not stop, the, I will not let the crowd stop me. I'm gonna cry out until he answers me. I think that God is impressed when we're precise in our prayers, and I think that God is impressed when we're passionate about what we want. And we're not afraid to go after it no matter what, no matter what it takes. Are you passionate? See, it's in your notes there. Complaining about God is sin. Complaining to God is prayer. <laughs> to go after God, let him know. Again, dust off that water and go after it and let God hear your cry because coasting kills. And Jesus was impressed by people who went after what they wanted in their life. 
Four men dig a hole in a roof and let down their lame man, their lame friend on a mat. They dug a hole in the roof because they couldn't get to Jesus. What does Jesus see? What does Jesus do? He sees their faith and he heals their friend. He's impressed when Peter wants to come out of the boat. He's impressed by by the Roman centurion who says, I don't even need you to come to my house, Jesus. Just say the word and I know my servant will be whole. He's impressed by audacious faith that refuses to give up. He's impressed by Zacchaeus who climbs a tree to, to see him. He's impressed by a Gentile woman who refused to take no for an answer about her demon-possessed daughter. He's impressed by passionate faith. Don't coast through life. Get precise. Get passionate. Dust off your water and go after something because God wants to bless your life. He cares for you and loves you. So let me ask you in closing, once again, what do you want? What do you want? I, in your notes, I put a little line there. You don't have to put that there now. Don't fill that out now. You can, you can fill that out tonight or tomorrow. But why, why just walk through the motions of this life when you have a Father in heaven who, who wants you to ask him, who knows what you're gonna ask anyway, so ask, and isn't, isn't shocked by audacious faith that asks for great things from him. You say, well, what if I, what if I ask for something that is like off? Like, what if I ask for something that's totally wrong in God's opinion? God will take care of that. <laughs> He'll take care of that. God answers prayers in one of four ways. One of four ways, ready? Yes, no, wait, and you must be joking. <laughs> so he'll, he has a way of taking care of bad targets. But for heaven's sake, for your sake, have a target. Have a Jericho in mind and start circling it. And don't give up until it comes to pass. Because that's the kind of faith that God is impressed with. That's the kind of faith that God is interested in. That's the kind of faith that I've looked through my entire Bible. I have not found a single verse that says, just stop asking God. I don't see one single verse about that, but I see a hundred verses that talk about going after things, being faithful, that being, believing God for great and awesome things, and not being afraid to go after your dream and what you want from God, because you have a heavenly Father who loves you and cares for you. Now, if you got the wrong target, I said, I said earlier, God will take care of that, and by the way, there's, there's a good test as to whether or not you got the wrong target. If what you're praying about um, terminates on you, you might have the wrong target. What do, I mean, what do I mean by that? I mean, if what you're praying about stops with you, if it's all about you, you might have the wrong target. But if what you're praying about is something good for you and others through you, you might have a good target there. You see, um, Blind Bartimaeus got healed, and the Bible says he got up and he followed Jesus. He didn't just settle for seeing. He then just got into discipleship and followed God and became an early church follower. Hannah, Hannah took that boy 
that God gave her, that son that she desperately and bitterly prayed for, and she brought him to the temple, and she left him there, and he served the Lord all the days of his life. He became the greatest prophet of his time, and he led Israel for 40 years. Jericho became the first, the beachhead of God's purposes for giving the people of Israel the entire promised land, okay? Jericho was an example to the rest of the nations that God was on the move through the people of Israel. If what you're looking for terminates on you, you might have the wrong target, but if what you're looking for is a blessing to you that will go through you to others, then you might have a pretty darn good target. But go after something. Dust off your wanter, and don't be afraid to ask God for great things in your life. My mother and my father had two, two daughters. As the team comes, the team can come. They had two daughters, all right? And they lived nine years, and they were doing life on their own terms. And at 35 years of age, they both had a radical conversion to Christ. Radical. And they felt in their heart, they said, you know, what, what, what can we do with our new faith? What, what can we do with our new life in Christ? And they said, we need another kid. We need another child. And they had two daughters, and my mother was from an Italian family, and she just knew. She said, sons are everything. God, I need a son. I need a son. And she prayed and prayed and prayed. God, I need a son. I want a son. I, I know it's about my family and stuff like that, but I just really want a son. Now, God did not have to give her a son. But here's what she did. You know what she did? She prayed a hand of prayer. She said, God, if you give me a son, then I will give him to your service for the rest of his life. And here I am. <laughs> All right, now look, look. She never told me that story. She never said a word until she knew there was no talking me out of this thing. Because when I got of age and I said to her, I want to be a pastor, she said, uh-uh. No, no, no. You're going to engineering school, young man, and you're going to get a degree. And then if you want to go and do all that stuff, then you can do that. And the Lord worked on her heart and softened her, and she came back to the prayer, and she told me about it. And I said, well, now you know God's on my side, Mom. <laughs> What's the point I'm trying to make? What do you want? Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be afraid of it. If it's righteous... And again, God will take care of the bad targets. But for heaven's sake, and for your sake, want something. Circle it. Write it down. And pray, and pray, and pray, and pray until it comes to pass, because you got a Father in heaven who loves you and wants to do great things for you. Would you stand to your feet?